Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Geocache Adventures Facebook page, or share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the podcast. You can also join Geocache Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee. Just follow Geo Adventures. That's one word: G E O Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee and get behind the scenes on every episode or become a member to unlock other exclusive content. Hey everybody, AV Shadow Dragon 1 here and with me today is Terry Ann, fellow geocacher and host of the Geocaching Down Under podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Good day, Amy. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. So first of all, can you tell us what your geocaching name is? Sure. So it's Purple Cache Eater. A uh, bit of a play on the purple people eater. And then I just geocaching, cachingified it. Nice. When did you get started geocaching and how? Um, I originally started in um, about 2009 with my dad. And we actually found about two geocaches together. And this was before mobile phones and apps. So we actually had to either print off the geocache listing page and take the bit of paper with us. And um, dad bought a GPS as well. So we had the GPS for the coordinates and the page with all the information on it. And, and yeah, we found two geocaches and then we sort of, you know, forgot about it and did other things with our lives. And then I came back to it in 2016. I actually was talking to a neighbor and uh, she was a geocacher. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to do that too. And then then we started going geocaching together and, and sort of got restarted with it. So that's how I got into it. Did you notice a big switch in things from when you did it in 2009 versus 2016? Yes, absolutely. So the technology was uh, the big difference for me, like originally, you know, bits of paper and a, and a GPS. And then, yeah, 2016, it was an app on the phone. And, you know, there was more to it than uh, than what there was in 2009. There was more types of geocaches and yeah, there was more information on the pages and yeah, it was interesting. Big switch to jump back into it then. Yeah. So let's talk about your podcast a bit, Geocaching Down Under. Can you give us kind of an overview of what that podcast is and what it's about? Sure. So the podcast was originally started by C. Michel. Uh, he started it back in, I think it was 2016 or 17. Uh, he got it started and he had it for about two years and then he moved from Australia to America and he reached out to me and said would I mind taking it over and then myself and another friend uh, Tattooed Squared we started the geo, uh, started carrying on the podcast um, and basically the idea behind it was that um, Craig wanted, see my show, he wanted Australia to have local content about geocaching in Australia which is why he started it and um, then I just carried it on. I really want to tailor the information to Australia. So I focus on events down here, um, you know, souvenirs and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, what's going on in Australia for Australians geocaching and try and bring out some of the stories and the different locations and encourage people to travel. And um, yeah, so really just localised content is the idea behind the Geocaching Down Under podcast. Okay. That's that's quite a bit different than what we may be listening to up here. That's more uh, related to us in the U.S. Besides being Australia focused, obviously geocaching <laughs> down under. Uh, 
what makes your podcast unique? Um, I think we are a little bit different to a regular podcast. When we're not exclusively audio, we do a live show every month um, that we turn into the podcast. So it's probably not your typical podcast, um, just focused on audio. We do, it's more of a TV show type format. So I try and get people encouraged to join in live in the chat room and, and ask questions and really provide feedback and really really try to build that community sense in Australia. And it's really grown over the two years that I've had it. We originally sort of had 20 people watching the show live. Now we're sort of averaging around 60 people watching live. So really just trying to bring that community together and expand that and, and yeah, just share local content really. Do you notice a lot of repeat people tuning in every month? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. So the Patreons, there, 90% of them are there every month. So they're the sort of diehard fans. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, we do have a lot of uh, repeat people watch every month. They sort of tune in. And that's their our revenge entertainment every month because our show is on uh, the second Tuesday uh, every month for one hour approximately. So that's their geocaching entertainment for the month. So for those who say you have insomnia over here in the u.s and want to join in live onto your podcast how can they do that sure so as i say we broadcast live second tuesday of every month at 7 30 new south wales australian time now we're on daylight savings at the moment so it does change back to uh eastern standard time but at the moment we're at eastern daylight savings time um, I believe for the majority of America, it's around that 4, 5 a.m. type uh, time of day. So it is a really early one. But I do actually have a couple of Americans who who are up that early and tune in live every month, So which is super exciting. And I've even had some people from England tuning in as well. So, yeah, if you can work out the uh, time conversion, I think it's, it's early morning for North Americans. <laughs> it sounds like it. And for those of us that are not up that early, we can find your videos posted afterwards on YouTube, correct? Yes. So you can watch the video later on YouTube and Facebook. And then what I have been doing is converting the live show into just audio and posting that on um, all the podcast apps. So you can listen to it, but obviously better if you can see it. Yeah. You have a lot of visual aspects in yours that if you can tune into the video makes a big difference on it on is yeah and it, it. it's it's really hard to convey an image using words to the listener especially when we're showing you know prizes and things like that it's really hard to explain exactly what you're looking at so definitely so for me I've learned a lot about geocaching by doing this podcast what is something that you have learned about geocaching due to your podcast Oh, so much. So I'm not like a super geek that knows every in and out of all the technical <laughs> stuff. So I've learned about um, pocket queries. That's been an interesting one. Um, I've learned about um, geology. Uh, some people are really into their earth caches and have explained, you know, a few different elements to that. So that's been um, another element. I've learned the, I've just gone blank. What's the app where... Hang on one second. And it, you you plan out your where you're going, your route, and it tells you which geocaches are on the way and you can plot oh. your calls. 
I've got um, like is it GeoGo that does that one? Something like that. Or there's Cashly. Cashly, I use Cashly. That's my favorite geocaching app. Oh, I've gone blank. Can't think of it. But um, yeah. So just like different elements, like technical stuff. Like yeah, Pocket Queries has been a big one. Uh, how to plot your course. Um, little like little tricks of the trade usually in apps and things like that you know and and yeah. a big one actually has been how to solve puzzles been exposed to more puzzles and solving puzzles and different techniques for breaking down a puzzle like okay. I've got Cully Long's uh, book uh, but you know when you talk to someone it's a different element than trying to work it out from a book it is so that's, been cool. Mm -hmm. that's cool so Australia there's around 80,000 geocaches there. So it seems like a good chunk. You've got a different landscape than what we've got here in the US. You've got tropical areas, grassland, and you've got lots of arid deserts too. So where you're at, what is kind of the climate geology that you experience when you geocache? Sure. So I'm on the East Coast, just near Sydney, which is not the capital of Australia, just for Americans. <laughs> A lot of people think Sydney's the capital and it's not. Um, but we are uh, not quite tropical and we're not out back. So we're coastal. So we get um, more, more tropical trees and rocks. Um, you can sort of drive an hour west and, and hit a little bit more farmland and grassland type area, but mainly here it's um, suburbia, a uh, little bit of farmland, you know, uh, fence posters, fence posts along uh, farmland and things like that. So a few mountains, there's a few mountains around here. Well, I say mountains, they're probably not very high mountains, they're probably <laughs> only a thousand metres, which is probably a foothill for you guys, but uh, <laughs> we do have some of those. Um, there's quite a few tree climb caches popping up around here as well, where you need proper climbing gear, so that's cool. Um, and tree fishing, I'm not sure if that's what you guys call it, but where you use a long pole or a fishing rod and you've got to reach up into the tree with the pole to unhook the cache, oh, we call that okay. tree fishing. Yeah. So they're popping up in popularity as well. Very cool. So in Australia, we see the memes going around all the time on the internet that Australia is the place where everything wants to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <clears throat> excuse me. What kind of hazards do you actually encounter when you're out there geocaching in Australia? Well, I I would imagine we are not too far difficult from you guys over there. It it really you've just got to be aware of your surroundings. So apart from the animals, you know, if you're on rocks or near a cliff, you've got to be aware of that. But in terms of animals, it's it's the creepy crawlies that you guys are all familiar with, you know, snakes, spiders, ticks, you know, bigger animals, things like that. But um, I guess growing up in Australia, you kind of, you learn how to handle that. So I guess um, like you guys with rattlesnakes, you know, you know, you got to stomp your feet and make a lot of noise and, and they're more scared of you than you are of them. So if, if they've got warning and you don't surprise them, uh, they usually move away and, and don't attack you. You've really got to be aggressive and, and go and, you know, go into their environment to really 
get them, but you've got to try not to surprise them. So spiders, you know, we we take a stick or something like that and try and move the cobwebs out of the way. With snakes, you know, we you stomp your feet on the ground and that creates vibrations and the snakes hear you coming and they usually crawl back into hiding. Um, other than that, you've just got to be aware of like leeches and ticks. Um, you've just got to check yourself for those. Uh, but other than that, not too much. Just be aware of your surroundings, really. So pretty similar to what we deal here, mostly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's it's too far different, you know, just be aware of your surroundings. I do have a very specific question, though. And yeah, <laughs> so I recently saw on Facebook, of course, this video of coconut crabs that just mm -hmm. swarm campsites and steal things. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of geocaches going missing because of coconut crabs? That is a very specific question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Not of coconut crabs. Um, really, the thing that gets us here is uh, rodents. So we usually have, you know, rats oh. or things like that that actually chew the plastic like I don't understand why they're chewing plastic surely it's not that nice but they tend to gnaw at the plastic containers and get in and then of course you know the water gets in there um ants attacking you know and filling up a container is usually another big one here um but no not coconut crabs <laughs> <laughs> I saw that video and I I, I laugh because you just have these giant crabs trying to get people's food. And then my son read yep. a book on them. And I, mm -hmm. I guess they like to steal people's shoes for mm -hmm. houses if you leave them out. So it made me wonder yes. about geocaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I just went and checked on one of my geocaches two days ago. And um, yeah, a solid, uh, large, you know, like 500 mil pill container and some sort of rodent had gnawed through the plastic and now I've got a hole in my geocache I need to go and replace I couldn't oh believe my. it so yeah but no no crabs around here <laughs> <laughs> so the the pill containers that brings up another question a lot a lot of like the LPCs and stuff around here tend to be like those prescription bottle pill containers mm -hmm. is that the kind of typical cache that you see a lot there for for that type of hide ours is um we don't have the lpcs like you do but ours are sort of guardrails okay. and we have instead of the pill containers being the absolute bane of our existence it's usually <laughs> a mint tin so um i think it's oh, like your little okay. al altenoids or something like that yeah I think you call them a little, yeah yeah uh, <clears throat> and it's that thin metal container that just rusts in a oh. heartbeat, you know? So in the weather, it lasts moments and they seem to be really prevalent everywhere over here. So mint tins are what we hate and they're probably equal to your pill bottles. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this may sound like a weird question, but a lot of the guardrail containers I see here are like little hide-a-key boxes. Oh, yes. Do they have those there in Australia? We do have, okay. you talk about the little black ones with the sliding Yeah, Yeah, slides open, you yeah. can put a key in there. Okay. Yeah, we do have those. They're not as common um, as other containers. Like the, the mint tins just are absolutely everywhere and I don't know why people use them, but they're just real <laughs> handy to have. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we do have some of those key key hiders. Uh, with the magnet, you too, usually they're sort of under park benches and things like that. Yeah. Mm. 
yeah, yeah. and in the guardrails guard yeah the guardrails we tend to have the little I think you call them lock and locks containers okay yeah the little lock and locks. yeah mm. yeah we have those what do you call them there do you have a different name for lock and locks we do we we call them by the the company that makes them which is Systema oh so we okay. call them Systema containers okay <laughs> it's kind of like um oh oh I've gone blank. What's the name? You know, you know when someone hosts a party and you go and you buy all their plastic containers. What's that called? Oh, the Tupperware. Oh, Tupperware. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like Tupperware, but it has the little hooks that lock into the yeah. container, and they're absolutely water resistant. So they're great. Mm. Yeah, I love those things. Yeah, it's it's interesting the same object has different terminologies in different countries and it's interesting to hear what what stuff it is it is isn't it yeah I I love that too finding out that you know the pill bottles are your annoying little containers that everybody uses (laughs) and you know mint tins are ours and I've yet to find out what they are in Europe but I can't imagine they're too far different from what we're experiencing yeah it's got to be something similar it's it's, it's funny how you have those regional things Mm, like mm. that so there is a lot of geo arts in australia when i look at the map mm-hmm. have you done any of those um i have found a few i haven't put any out myself i was looking at it and it's it's a big commitment i have to say like you're sort of talking minimum sort of 20 to 30 containers so you're talking 20 to 30 puzzles potentially, um, unless it's a real simple traditional geoart. Uh, and so you've got, you know, 20, 50, 200 puzzles that you've got to create. Then you've got to go put them all out. Then you've got to maintain them. So that side of it has um, deterred me at the moment, but <laughs> I, I've actually designed a couple. I just haven't got my act together and put them out but I've actually got my geocaching friend who I do geocaching with quite frequently she's put one out and it's got sort of 25 30 caches in the geo art and uh, yeah it is a bit to maintain but we love a geo art in Australia whenever we have a major event like a mega um, we don't have too many but when we do we they always put out at least one geo art for the event and it usually stays after the event because I we I know we host our events a little bit different to you guys. You guys just have like a single day event. We usually make it like a full weekend. So the mega event day is on the one day, but we make it a full, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. So and and then like I say, the geo arts hang around after. So if you don't make the event, you can go by later and you can still collect the geo art, which is great. That's interesting. Yeah, we are mm. mega events. I've seen a geo art for a couple of them but they usually do a lot of adventure labs with the geo events or do like a power trail for the ones that i've been to up here and they'll have like you said it's one big day for the event but usually other cashers will get together and have uh events around it leading up to it side events leading up to it so you can make a whole weekend out of it i've talked to geocachers that make a week out of events by coming up early and just doing everything in an area which is I know I need to win the lotto and buy a caravan and I I know travel around (laughs) wouldn't that be fantastic but yeah we do the adventure labs too 
for the event. So the event organisers will do geowart, they'll do adventure labs. Um, we're not too big on power trails. Um, I personally, like I love them if you need them for numbers or a mm -hmm. souvenir or things like that, but they get tiring. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you're doing 50 or 100 in one day, it's it sort of, it almost takes the fun out of it. But like they serve a purpose. They're great. But yeah, doing that many in one day feels like work to me. But it's it does, no yeah. <laughs> Some yeah, people love yeah. it, but it, it just feels like work to me. <laughs> it does, yeah, that's right. Uh, at the moment, we've got one geo tour in Australia, which should be active for about another year, and that's down um, just north of Melbourne in a town called Ballarat. So we've got one geo tour here in Australia which I'm yet to get done, which I'm really keen to get done because uh, we've only got the one at the moment. So, but I know you guys have got quite a few, which is fantastic. We do actually. Mm. It's, it's kind of surprising how many different areas have been able to set those up. Mm. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Them. It's just frustrating that you've got to pay to have them because then we only get them for a limited time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then you hope that they renew the geo tour and keep it yeah. going but it's not guaranteed that's, by any means that's right yeah and if they're not around you it's a real effort to go to the location where they are just to get them done yeah mm. what is your favorite type of geocache to go do oh that's a good question i would say uh, probably adventure labs. Some of them have been really creative. Sometimes you get a story and you're following along a story. Some of them around here are historical, so actually learning um, a few historical facts about the area or people. So I find that fascinating. I have struggled over the years with um, mysteries and solving puzzles, but I'm getting better at it I'm getting more practice as I slowly you know remove all the multis and the traditionals off the map I'm faced <laughs> with just the mysteries so I'm being forced to do them but no they're not too bad and I have enjoyed actually earth caches so um, I'm not a science nerd or a geek or anything like that but you know the easier ones that are easier to understand about like the geology and things yeah they've been interesting hmm Yes, I'm the same way. Uh, there's not a ton of earth caches by me, but it seems like there's two levels of earth caches, either straightforward, do yeah. one, maybe two things. And then there's the earth caches that you need a master's degree you do. to complete <laughs> you do. and have six different steps to it. And it's like, whoa, okay, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> this <laughs> is hardcore. This is right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes get real hardcore. I think my favourite earth cache was down in South Australia and it was in the Flinders Ranges and it was a fossilised beach. So oh. you were looking at solid rock that had the ripples of the sand that were fossilised in the rock. And it was fascinating. I've never seen anything like it, but, yeah, a fossilised beach, I think that's been one of my favourite earth caches. Wow, I've never heard of such a thing. That's pretty cool. Neither had I. And that's that's the thing about geocaching is it takes you to amazing places and you see things and you go to places that you wouldn't normally go, even in your local area, which is super fantastic. Like I never would have gone to this particular location if it wasn't for geocaching, and I think that's probably the most exciting thing about it is the the different locations and experiences of it it's great oh absolutely I've found stuff here in my local area that I mean I grew up in and found mm. stuff that 
had been there the whole time I never knew existed because yeah. a geocache took me there. It's pretty neat. It is very cool. I love it. Yeah. Here in the U.S., our states are divided up into counties. And mm -hmm. a lot of people like to find geocaches in the counties and do county county and try to clear out state by counties. Does Australia, you've got six states and two territories. Are they divided up in a similar matter? Yes. So we call them um, LGAs, which is basically just council zones. Okay. So we have councils for different areas. So yeah, within, within the state or the territory, we have many, many LGAs. Okay. So similar. So Very is that similar. a thing there to go mm -hmm. count LGAs? Absolutely. Yeah. I've got another group of geocaching friends and they, they plot out their day. So, <laughs> you know, they take it, they, they really make it scientific. They take into account, you know, your Jasmine grid, your fizzy grid, uh, your oldest geocaches in, in the area, your LGAs, make sure they clear out all those different counties as you call them. Yeah. And, you know, different types and different levels. And it's, yeah, it, it is a real thing. And I've started doing it. I even printed off a little map and was, you know, highlighting my little zones. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, we do have a similar thing over here and people really do make an effort to fill in all those different counties as well. Have you been over here to the U.S. before? I have been there, but it was when I wasn't geocaching okay yeah I came over in 2013 and um did you know the Florida Disney World and visited some friends there but um unfortunately I I wasn't geocaching at the time and I'm absolutely kicking myself now <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so that was 2013 so yeah 10 years ago and I haven't been back since but um absolutely would love to come back over was really hoping actually to get over for the 20th anniversary celebration um, but just just couldn't make it happen. Yeah, that's a long flight. It is a long flight. Yeah, it's like fifteen <laughs> hours from Sydney to LA. Oof. You're really gonna be committed to getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's. There's not much uh, change in your mind once that starts. <laughs> no, and then if you're going over to the east coast of America, it's another. I think what what is that from west coast to east coast? Another five six hours, isn't it? Yeah, depending on. Yeah. where you're going from yeah it's and then a it's, lot of times you have to have a layover somewhere mm -hmm. and that mm. just adds so much time yeah. and like I think if you if you were to come to America from another country you'd really want a minimum of one month you know touring around to really get to see some of the things and it depends what you're into you know you've got the oldest yeah. geocache in the world and you've got you know all sorts of really cool different types of geocaches and adventures and things. You'd really want to plan it out and have a minimum of a month to go around, I think. <laughs> yeah. Who has that much vacation time is what I'm exactly. <laughs> need to retire to be able to do that. It's crazy. Win the lotto, retire, buy a motorhome and tour around, I think. Hey, there you go. Yeah. I good. like that plan. Mm -hmm. If somebody was going to plan a trip to Australia to geocache, where would you recommend they go check out? See, that's another difficult question. It depends <laughs> on what you're into. Um, yeah. The oldest geocache in Australia is in Sydney. So if you're after old geocaches, Sydney. 
Um, there's some really cool gadget caches all around the country. So um, all the major cities have some really cool G, uh, gadget caches nearby. So you'd really want to look into those. Um, Earth caches, I would say probably down the south end of Australia. So Melbourne and Adelaide, they've got some really cool earth caches. Um, if you're into beaches, I would go uh, towards Queensland and really explore the Queensland coast. Um, but similar to like California, it's a it's a long way. Like the coastline is long, and it's a long way between anything here in Australia. So, so yeah, you'd really want to target an area, I think. But okay. yeah, it depends. I'd say either Melbourne or Sydney, you'd be pretty good at getting a, a wide variety of caches. Yeah. So going back to Adventure Labs, in the states here, the or the U.S. however you want to phrase that, the U.S. here, uh, there are a few Adventure Lab series that have started taking place in different oh. parts of the United States. So, like for example, we have one along the historic Route 66 highway that starts in Chicago and goes all the way across to California, and there's Adventure okay. Labs along the way. Do you guys have anything right. like that there? Not that I'm aware of, but I'm sure there would be. So that's a couple of people are tying in and using their, their adventure labs to create a big, long trail. Yes. And they actually, oh. uh, for the Route 66 one, and there's a couple other ones I've heard of, but um, I'm most familiar with the Route 66 one because I've talked to the, the curator of that. They talked mm -hmm. to geocaching headquarters and got all those adventure lab credits boosted up to 10 oh, point okay. ones so they could have more because there's so many sites mm -hmm. to see along there so they worked yes. with the headquarters to get that worked out yeah so it's it's pretty interesting it seems like it has a good i see pictures of people posting it on facebook the traveling across route 66 and there's been a couple cashers that have made the whole trip just to hit all the wow. adventure labs along the way so it's that's phenomenal i like that idea yeah it's pretty neat it's pretty neat that is very cool i'm not aware of any um but i'm sure there there would be something like that in australia but yeah i'm not sure if anyone's reached out to headquarters to get the 10 10 stage adventure labs um it's probably just people combining their five stages and you know making making a route that way but uh, no i'm not aware of any okay that's a good idea it's it's definitely interesting and it's mm. it's popping up more a uh, couple different uh there's a lincoln highway further north that does it and then actually in my area geocachers got together and there's it's called the Katy Trail. It's actually set up as a biking walking path and they've been right. working on, and that goes pretty much across the state and they've been working on making a, a series okay. along there. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm sure that someone has done that. I'm aware of a couple of multis where different stages are in different states here, Oh, wow. which is really challenging because, you know, each state is thousands of kilometers away from one another. Um, so I'm aware of a multi that that does that, but surely someone's done that as an adventure lab. A multi that goes across different states. That's wild. I don't know how they did it because, <laughs> you know, from waypoint one to waypoint two, I think it's like 1100 kilometers. <laughs> yeah, I would feel like they would have issues getting that approved. Yeah. 
yeah, I don't know how they've done it, but um, yeah, I found that at one of the megas I went to. I'm like, oh, look, waypoint one, where's waypoint two? 1,100 kilometres away. I'm not making that. That's, wow. Yeah, it was hectic. I was like, okay, I don't know how you got that one through, but sure. <laughs> I'm sure someone will do it. That's that's wild. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm not a huge multi fan depending no. on how many stages there yeah. are and how far away they are if it's yeah. like a walking track and it's like a, a kilometer or something sure but yeah when you've got to start traveling you know hundreds of kilometers for each stage yeah yeah if it gets up to, real targeted if, if it gets up to like more than three stages i'm kind of i'm kind of out <laughs> you're pulling the pin yep i'm kind of pulling the pin and my interest going has to go do something else out. yeah yeah yeah, there's yeah, one near I'm, me that has 10 stages. And it's like, I did try that one at one point. And I got yeah. to like stage three and the container was missing. And it's like, okay, this is not fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. I have one multi in a cemetery and it's it's the same. Uh, that's actually the one I just went and did some maintenance on. But it's it's within, you know, one, 200 meters. So it's only two different stages. But yeah, it's easy, you know. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Those I don't mind, or the ones where mm. you get there and you do a projection or something, and. Mm -hmm. But then that's the same as the adventure labs. A lot of our adventure labs, you need to travel like a hundred kilometers or more, you know, which is I don't know what's that sixty miles or something like that, to um to finish all five stages. Oof. Yeah, there's a few in in my area that it, it, they take you driving four different directions across town you gotta go like 20 minutes <laughs> 20 plus minutes to each side in between and it's like okay i spent three hours getting this one adventure one. lab yeah see that's where you got to be an opportunist here kasha i think you know sometimes you got to be aware of where you're going and what's on the way and you could pick up one stage today and then another day you know you're going in a different direction you'll pick up the other stage yeah there you go <laughs> yeah and really sort of tackle it over some time yeah, it, I like the adventure labs, but when I've got to go all over creation to get the stages, yep. you know, if it's like along the Katy Trail or along the high, you know, Route mm -hmm. 66 highway, you know, that's how it's set up and you can plan yes. for that versus pull this up and it's like, okay, wait a minute, where is this at on the map and where's this at on the map yeah. and how, yeah, it's. And it, it makes it challenging too, like if you've got your family in the car and they're not particularly into geocaching and you're sort of dragging them here, there and everywhere. They're mm -hmm. like, are we done yet? You're like, no, no, I've just got to travel another 45 minutes to the next stage. <laughs> yeah, And then we've got three to go. <laughs> that's kind of the boat I'm in. Yeah, yeah. my, my yeah. husband isn't really into it. He'll tag along sometimes, but he's not really yeah. into it. My son <laughs> kind of is. It depends on the day. Okay, yeah. But he's more like one or two and done. Yes. Like if yeah. I'm dragging him all over the place yeah. to do it, he's he's out. He doesn't want anything yeah. to do with it. There's only so much patience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got to be quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Only so much you know, patience. That's it. Yeah. 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 Well, Terri-Ann, thank you so much for coming on here and talking with me today and, and telling us about your podcast and about Australia. And thank you for entertaining my very American questions about coconut crabs and, <laughs> and wildlife in Australia. 
No, you are welcome. It's been absolutely awesome. I want to hear, actually, I'll throw this at you off, okay. off script. <laughs> I want to hear your best Australian accent. Oh, heaven help me. <laughs> good day, mate. Hey, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I like that. I'll pay now, you. Now, can you do an American one? Oh, only from like TV and movies. <laughs> My favorite one, I think it's a Boston accent, and it's you got to put the sauce on top of the pizza. Hey, that's pretty good. I think I think that's yeah that's my favorite one <laughs> but yeah we watch a lot of American shows and movies over here so we sort of hear the accents but yeah that's my favorite yeah just that whole concept you know being from here and oh, somebody does this as an accent like this is just how it <laughs> that's right yeah and we don't have we don't have a lot, lot of variety of accents in Australia it's all pretty close it's pretty close. Versus over here, you start going yeah. south or north, it, it comes yeah. different real quick. But uh, we're similar to you guys. You know, in the country, they have a different uh, way of speaking than in the city, and it's a lot slower in the country and a lot faster in the city, um, things like that. So we call people that are sort of out in the outback, we call them ocker. They've got an ocker accent, okay. which is that really, g'day, mate. <laughs> really you know accented highlighted accent but um yeah different in the city <laughs> yeah you can you can thank the the old crocodile dundee movies for for my <gasps> accent cro- there <laughs> old crocodile dundee yeah Grew you can't with go those. past it yeah. yeah yeah and steve Irwin, he was another big yeah one. steve Irwin. Crikey. Love, love that yes crikey she's crikey she's angry she's <laughs> What you got to do here is uh, hilarious, hilarious. I don't know anyone who talks like that, by the way. <laughs> That's funny. That's it is, funny. yeah. But yeah, we even we even take off ourselves all the time, and it's usually the Steve Irwin. Crikey, watch out! Here it comes. <laughs> and the um the good old standard: throw another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> yeah that I'm not quite sure where that one came from I mean I get it's like the barbecue that we have here but mm, I think it was a tv ad actually okay yeah I think it was a beer ad um trying to promote an Aussie beer in America because we don't call them <laughs> shrimp <laughs> so I think they sort of Americanized it what do you call it there if it's not shrimp Is it... prawns prawns okay yeah prawns. <laughs> yeah Oh, that's funny. But thank you for taking on the accent challenge. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? It it will probably make some people cringe and <laughs> and others laugh. That's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about or an adventure you'd like to share, please contact me at geocache.adventures.podcast at gmail.com or just head over to geocacheadventures.org and head to the contact page and you can reach out from there. I'd love to hear from you. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets 
on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you.